0: Was the Cape Drive time? 0829-913. is uh, the uh, WhatsApp line. Query comment, and what do you think? Ireland and the Netherlands became the latest countries to suspend their rollout of AstraZeneca over concerns about clots resulting after the injection. So far, more than 350 million doses have been given out across the world, but countries including Denmark, Norway and Bulgaria have suspended the rollout of AstraZeneca after reports of blood clots developing in patients who have received the shot. We now chat to to Director of Research and Development at the University of Western Cape, Professor Bertram Fielding. Welcome. Good afternoon, Shafiq. Okay, this AstraZeneca um, situation, is it being overblown in terms of its side effects? Uh, Conspiracy theorists are having a good Monday so far.
1: They are having a good Monday. However, we need to keep in mind that we are essentially in phase four um, of testing these vaccines. Um, Efficacy was established in, in phase three. And this massive rollout, um, which is part of an emergency approval of this vaccine, is really now about determining the effectiveness and the safety of these vaccines. So uh, it is good that we're seeing this very early on, and these need to be investigated very thoroughly.
0: Is AstraZeneca, remember, we've, we we had some or we got some. I don't know where it is right now. Um, what sort of efficacy has has AstraZeneca proved itself? Because 350 million doses, that's a lot of doses. So you see, um,
1: Shafiq, uh, we have for a while now, the, the media has been using efficacy and effectiveness interchangeably. Ah. They're two different things. So efficacy was determined during the Phase 2 and Phase 3 trials, especially Phase 3. And this is where um, large, um, couple of thousand uh, groups were uh, vaccinated. Um, Some of, half of them were given the vaccine, the other half were not. And then comparisons were made. So for AstraZeneca, for instance, the efficacy was 93%. When it was then tested in South Africa for its effectiveness, in young people, it only had an effectiveness of 27%. So the the reports were then saying in young people with mild COVID, it is not very effective. And that's why we stopped using it. We still do not know what the effectiveness of the AstraZeneca would be in older patients who have a higher propensity to develop severe COVID. So the effectiveness in older people for what severe disease could still be better.
0: Mm -hmm. And and that's
1: the difference really between the two.
0: So just quickly tell us the difference between efficacy and effectiveness. Just one more time, so people listening to us can also grab hold of the meaning.
1: So efficacy is tested typically in phase three, and it's um, a very specific population group. And that population group, a study group, would be divided into two. Half of the study group will get the vaccine and the other half would get a placebo. Mm. So not the vaccine. And the comparison between those two would be made. Effectiveness, the vaccine is now given to the 350 million plus people. And the, what the people eat, their genetic makeup, the variance around what medication the people are taking, All of those could impact on the effectiveness. So effectiveness is determining um, a measure under real-world conditions.
0: So is AstraZeneca doing the job? Yes, um, they've had to pull it back. But, I mean, 350 million doses without um, the events that we're describing, without uh, blood clotting, uh, is a lot of doses.
1: And there is no conclusive proof yet that the cases that have been reported are indeed linked to the vaccine directly. So that's why I said it needs to be investigated very thoroughly. Were these people on any medication that could have somehow interacted with the vaccine? Could um, their genetic makeup have something to do with it? Were these people, did they have a particular comorbidity or other disease that could have been responsible once they received the vaccine? These are important questions, and these will really answer whether it's definitely linked to the vaccine or not. There's an association at the moment, but not scientifically proven yet.
0: Yeah, a a listener here said this massive rollout is about determining its effectiveness and safety of the vaccine. Um, how, how do we explain that?
1: So that is exactly what, what I said earlier. So whereas in phase three, it was, what, 10,000, 50,000 people, depending on the vaccine. That is, you know, if you look in terms of the global population, that's a very small number. Mm. There, there, there is an accepted um, scientific, I almost want to call it a principle. As soon as the efficacy of a vaccine has been determined, and it's good. For all vaccines, or the majority of vaccines, it was above 90%. So efficacy was really good. Um, Science says that it would be unethical not to provide that vaccine to people on a large scale, especially if it's a deadly disease.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, So we are really in phase three, where we're now looking at uh, yes, we have a good efficacy, but is this um, vaccine still effective, keeping in mind that we're testing it now in different population groups with different genetic makeups, in population groups where people have different diets, where people have, are exposed to different variants, where people use different medications for other diseases. All of those can impact on how effective the vaccine is. Safety, these are safety concerns. So we now need to see whether these are safety concerns and what what has been reported is it directly linked to the vaccine or not? And then there's the type of questions that we would normally answer over the eight to ten years that we develop vaccines in.
0: Yeah, and of course, we've done this yes. in nine
1: months. Yes, so we're answering these questions as we're going along.
0: I mean, I, I think perhaps um, all all of us need to understand that um, it's not a rush job. But it's incredible how fast uh, science has worked to try and find a vaccine um, um, for COVID. I mean, it's been, you know, if if one looks at, as you correctly say, how how long it's taken to get um, uh, vaccines out in the past, I mean, less than a year is quite phenomenal.
1: It's extremely phenomenal and we need to keep in mind as well that globally these vaccines have been approved for emergency use Mm. and that's why I've always been an advocate saying vaccines are important but let's vaccinate those at high risk medical personnel and those above 60 with comorbidities because ultimately it is about emergency use of these vaccines.
0: Absolutely. So at the end of the day, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about some of the other brands. Would you say that AstraZeneca, that the government maybe should have used it or that they were wise to hold back?
1: if you look at the data and from what i understand our colleagues are from bits and uct and up will still share they're still looking at the data for severe COVID. i am still expecting that the vaccine the astrazeneca vaccine will be effective in severe cases hmm. so it would minimize deaths um so i think you know looking at all the money that we've spent um and what we've known about that vaccine we probably still could have used it um as we roll out these other vaccines we will have other side effects reported as well and then we will see the same type of response it is just part of of using this vaccine that has been developed over a very short time
0: Somebody once uh, told me, and I don't know how true this is, that the ultimate aim of the vaccine is to stop people from dying of the disease. Are the vaccines going to be ultimately effective in that goal?
1: So it looks as though all of the vaccines that have been rolled out and, and, and used globally have been very effective in minimizing deaths. Um, not so much in the mild to moderate, and I'm not concerned about those. I want to minimize deaths. Yeah. And we, we need to keep in mind as well that we have naturally acquired immunity as well. There are some studies now that are saying between 50 and 60% of South Africans have been exposed to this virus and they have antibodies. Mm. So mm. We, we can't neglect that. That with vaccination program of high-risk individuals would minimize the deaths that we, that we would expect otherwise.
0: I mean, this is something we've spoken about, uh, the natural propensity for the human mechanism, body, physiology, to develop a resistance to uh, um, COVID. And, I mean, the, the way that our numbers have dropped... Uh, I mean, there's no vaccines in this country, but if one looks at how numbers have dropped, and I don't think it's just because of, of lockdowns. To me, it seems to be a natural kind of attrition whereas as you, you've said in the past, that people can develop um, a, a resistance to it.
1: And I think it's a bit of both. Um, I do agree with you. Um, I've never been a fan of the lockdowns. Lockdowns have delayed the numbers. They've not stopped the numbers. Um, yes, it is uh, people uh, you know, developing an immune memory to the virus, but these viruses, when they mutate, and each time a person becomes infected, these viruses mutate, and that's why we have variants. It's always been my theory, and there's a, a, a big school of thought around this, that viruses mutate to spread easier, mm. but not to become deadlier, because the ultimate aim of the virus is to reproduce and to make more viruses. So it would want to spread and keep the host alive. So it's almost a co-evolution between us and the virus.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting relationship, isn't it? Us between a thing that we can't even see. It's amazing.
1: And and keep in mind where these viruses come from. They come from bats. Mm. And bats have hundreds of years' co-evolution with these viruses. And they are hosts, they are carriers, but they do not even have symptoms anymore. With the with the common cold, the four common cold coronaviruses, we see the same thing. We have cold-like symptoms, you know, but very, very few deaths. Will COVID uh, go the same way? I would not be surprised if it does.
0: Um, look, I'm not even a medical expert, but my instincts. Um uh, and I look at I look at things from a historical viewpoint are telling me that that might just be the case. Um, if you look at the case of, of Spanish flu, Spanish flu never went away, but people didn't die from it anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. Nineteen eighteen, um, uh, between fifty and hundred million people died. Variants of that um, Spanish flu is still around, but we now have immune memory um, against that. And I think it's the same we saw last year. Last year there was a drastic decrease in flu numbers. Why? Because uh, my my theory is that one of the reasons we were because of travel restrictions. Mm. We were not bringing in new strains during our winter from the north. And so our population had immune memory so we could fight against the circulating um, flu strains. And I think we might see the same. This might become one of the circulating coronavirus.
0: Now, let's quickly get on to some of the, the other um, uh, vaccination. We've got Pfizer-Moderna. That seems to be the Rolls-Royce one, if I'm not mistaken. We've got Johnson & Johnson, which is now being uh, applied in South Africa. How do these two other – I mean, these are the two other big makes. How do they compare? And, of course, we've got Sputnik from, from Russia as well.
1: So, you know, the, the technology – is variants of, of each other. So some of them use RNA directly from the, the genetic material, directly from the virus. Others use DNA, so it's a variant of the genetic material. So they behave more or less the same. And that's why I am convinced that we will see similar type of challenges and victories for these others as well. The mm-hmm. more um, these vaccines are rolled out, the more data we gather. The more data you gather, the more positive and negatives you will find. I'm more concerned about some of these inactivated um, or attenuated, weakened vaccines out there. Uh, These are whole viruses that should not be infective, but there is such a thing as reversion. So they can become uh, deadly and become the original virus again. Those I'm a bit more concerned about, but... We have repeatedly said, even for the vaccines we're currently using, there is no long-term safety data. We only have them now for about seven months, eight months. So we will only have long-term safety data the more and the longer we study these.
0: Are any numbers starting to come through in countries that have been successful in a vaccine rollout? I know Israel, but they've got a very small population. Uh, They've had pretty much of an extensive rollout. I know the United Kingdom so far have vaccinated, I think, one-third of the vulnerable population. Is it too early to tell right now how these vaccinations, what overall effect they are having?
1: Very interesting question. So I've seen some studies and some reports in popular media saying, oh, vaccines are working now because all of a sudden we're seeing dropping numbers and we're seeing dropping deaths. We must be very careful, even there, um, you know, to have to use anecdotal evidence as proof. Vaccines. Some of these take two shots, and they're about a month apart. It takes about four to six weeks for the body to have a fully immune response to it. Not everybody would have uh, be protected. You could still be infected. You could still spread the virus. So I'm very. I take it with a pinch of salt when I see that. Uh, the reports are saying that you see this huge drop due to the vaccine. I think the vaccine is playing a role, but it is also the normal factors, changing people's behavior, you know, where people go. Are they masking? Ultimately, I think it's going to be a combination of natural infections, uh, the vaccine and then the safety measures. Um, and those will determine whether the numbers go you know, up or down.
0: Now, now, some people are saying that South Africa, we need to really get a move on, because um, a lot of experts are talking about a third wave. But when I interrogate people talking about the third wave, it's speculative um, at best. Uh, I'm sure you'd agree that it is speculative. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So, if you think about it, we only call something a wave when we're in the wave.
0: That's yeah, true.
1: Because it is really a statistical calculation. It is really an increase in numbers calculated or measured per day. You reach this maximum number of infections or deaths per day, and then you see a decrease per day. And that is that is what a, what a wave is. I have been speculating that we could, I would not be surprised if we see a third wave over the Easter weekend, maybe two weeks afterwards? And what does that mean? People coming together in larger groups, moving between provinces, not, have, not using their, their safety measures. You have an increase in infection numbers. That would be the start of a wave. It could be. A wave can be stopped right smack dab in the middle of that wave because numbers can decrease. Mm. Because people all of a sudden wear masks. They sanitize. They stay home when they are ill. So it is really a statistical number, and I'm not a huge fan of of saying, you know, using the term waves, because it's nothing but infection numbers measured per day over a time.
0: Now, do you think we've been accurate the way that we've measured what's been going on? Um, I know the, the medical profession or medical statisticians use um, something they call uh, deaths that are unusual. I can't remember the exact terminology. And the excess deaths. Excess deaths. When you look at that, um, excess deaths have been very high. I mean, as much as 100,000, as opposed to the uh, numbers given to 50,000 in terms of COVID. I mean, how do we get our heads around that?
1: Even if you look at the, the positive numbers, Shafiq, um, last I checked, we, we had something like 9 million or 10 million tests in South Africa. We only had 1.5, 1.6 million positives. Researchers are now looking at blood samples collected in particular areas, and they're finding that those blood samples, um, some groups look at 5,000 blood samples, between 50 and 63% of those blood samples seroconverted, which means they had antibodies. So those people were infected were never tested because they were either very lightly symptomatic or no symptoms. So even the numbers that we have reported as positive, as way under reported. You only go to the doctor if you really feel ill. Um so and that's a global a global trend. It's not just the South African trend. I do not think that it is up to sixty percent. Testing five thousand people in a particular area is not representative of the country. I think, in the end, we would have between twenty and thirty percent of of South Africans probably would have been infected and they recovered with many of them without any intervention so similar for, for similarly for deaths as well, but we also need to keep in mind, and the m r c mentions this during level five lockdown, for instance, how many people were turned away from the clinics and mm-hmm. the day hospitals mm. um it was meant to see critical cases only. How many potentially critical cases did we miss? So the excess deaths could make up a, a fairly substantial portion of that as well. In, in, in China, for instance, it was reported because of the fear and panic that people had, people did not go in for TV medication and HIV medication. Those people would uh, very likely, the, the incidence of death amongst those would peak two to three months afterwards have we seen the same in South Africa I think I think we
0: have yeah I mean that certainly is is a moot point because I mean we've been dealing with stories here of um HIV rollouts dropping uh, a lot a a tremendous amount of people not even bothering to go to hospitals to get Mm -hmm. their TB medication so yeah I mean it makes sense that that would also play into those numbers
1: um, exactly. So, so yes, I acknowledge that the excess deaths could include, you know, some, um, COVID cases that where people died at home. But I think there's also this huge other factors. And and similar to the ones we've just mentioned
0: Professor, uh, last comment on this this whole thing about what we've been been discussing today Uh, A couple of conspiracy theorists have come out of the woodwork again And um, are saying that that all of this agrees with what, what their views were Your comment on that?
1: So which, which conspiracy theories are you referring to? There are so many going around at the moment.
0: Um, in fact, uh, the, the one that's coming through on the pages here are, are people saying that uh, the, the um, vaccines themselves were, were part of this whole big conspiracy theory to infect or do something to humankind. It gets a bit vague.
1: So, so there's this uh, persistent um, uh, conspiracy theory going around saying due to the type of vaccines, it will change our genetic makeup. These vaccines are not incorporated into our genetic makeup. It is essentially introducing uh, viral genetic material so that the viral protein can be made in your body so that your body can produce antibodies. There is very clear evidence that, that COVID is caused by, the, by a coronavirus, the seventh coronavirus that we've identified infecting humans. This is not the last one. We will have others they circulating bats, and there is missing animals between the bats and the humans uh, for transmission. So unfortunately, um, conspiracy theorists typically take some scientific fact and mix it with some conspiracy theory, so it becomes very difficult. So I would advise your listeners to look at a site such as The Conversation. The Conversation is um, um, articles written by scientists and academics, and it's written in a language, a non-scientific language. I love reading the conversation. And that is one example of reputable um, science that can be read by, by the general public. So follow up on your, on your information that you do get and look at reputable sources um, and, and, and use that as a, as a measuring stick.
0: Professor Bertram Fielding, Director of Research, University of the Western Cape, as always, uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Shafik and thank you to the listeners.
0: Drive Time 91.3 Always on the car